Well, my name's David Vaughn. Good to be back in Cincinnati. As your ambassador, I've been traveling around different places, encouraging churches and preachers as part of my new role here, and I couldn't be proud of what God is doing here, even as I continue to lead this local church, but also encourage John as he leads and other pastors as they lead. And I want to pivot to what we want to talk about today, because the topic that I want to share with you has been uh, learned through decades of ministry and experience in my life. We're finishing up our series on the Lord's Prayer this weekend on thoughts and prayers. JT, Connor, and our team have teamed up really well to go through the highlights, the key elements of the model prayer of Jesus Christ. And they have done really well. Well, except for Connor attempting to sing last week uh, as I watched online, Timberland, I don't know. But in this series, we are asking, like the disciples asked centuries ago, Lord, Teach us to pray. I bet you've been doing some praying lately. I bet you've been praying for our country. I bet you've been praying for our leaders in the church and in our world. I bet you've been using those prayer cards, that deck of cards to pray. I think some of you are praying for the first time more than you've ever had in your whole life. Don't forget, today, 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock today, in this sacred space, we're going to have a prayer experience here in this building to lean more into prayer, to kind of f- finish up our series. And I hope you will find a way to come over after the Bengals game. They need prayer um, <laughs> to pray with us. And today brings us to the final sentence in the model prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I heard about a mom who had been teaching her three-year-old daughter how to say the Lord's Prayer every night for a week before bedtime. Uh, One night, the little girl said, hey, mom, I don't need you to do it this time. I can do it all by myself. And all the mom listened with pride as the little girl carefully enunciated each word, each line, right in up to the end of the prayer (laughs) until she finished with this. And lead us not into temptation, the little girl said, but deliver us from email. That's actually not a bad prayer, don't you think? (laughs) God, deliver me from email. There might be evil in the email. But I want to unpack today what it means to live out and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And make no mistake, if 911 shows you anything, there is evil in this world, and he is the ultimate evil one. Could I just ask us as a community of faith to quit blaming each other for the problems of our world and start blaming the one who came to steal, to kill, to divide, to murder, and to destroy? That's the devil. Let's quit fighting each other. He's the one we're fighting. We're all victims of the enemy. And could we stop blaming God for everything that happens bad on this earth? It's the devil. So I want to begin with a very personal question. If we were in a small group, oh, this would be so much fun. Here's my question. What is your biggest temptation? What is your, now I know some of you, I could already articulate it. Some of you, hundreds of you, thousands of you, I do not. But we all have one, right? We all have a besetting dominant temptation or sin. God knows it. The devil knows it. And I'm telling you today, you should know it. It's vital that you know it. Because that's where you're weak. That's where he'll get you. That's where you're vulnerable. 
That's the way he will work in your life. And once you recognize what it is, knowing it will keep you out of the places where you find trouble in your life. (laughs) It's amazing to me. Again, I've been a pastor for decades now. It's amazing to me. If you are tempted by alcohol, why are you hanging out at the bar? Just a thought. If you are tempted by lust, why are you hanging out at the strip club or visiting adult porn sites? If you're tempted by gluttony, oh, now I'm getting close to home. Why am I hanging out at the Golden Corral buffet all the time? As my dad would say, if you don't plan on going in the house, stay off the front porch. So how come you all are in some front porches and on some front porches? No wonder you're tempted the way you are. You can be assured of this, friend, right now. I don't know you. You don't know me. Those of you watching online, you can be assured of this. The evil one knows exactly where to hit you. He is a street fighter. He never fights fair. He is so insidious. This is how bad the devil is, how evil he is, why I hate him so much. He will tempt you to sin, and then once you uh, acquiesce, he will beat you up with guilt for the very temptation he tempted you to do. Oh, he's insidious. He's diabolical. That's what his name means, devil, by the way, diabolos. But all of us here in this room, all of you watching online, have a besetting sin or temptation that you are uniquely challenged with today, even pastors, especially pastors. What's your biggest temptation? Would you like to know mine? I'm not going to tell you. But... uh, 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 I may reveal a few, though, because I am tempted by similar, but probably some different things than you. But many of my temptations are your temptations. Now, I got to tell you, I work here most of the time when I'm not on the road. When you're on the road, the temptations really go up. But not many folks come up to me here in the church office and offer me drugs, offer an opportunity for me to get drunk. I'm not tempted by that. But as our church has grown over the last 19 years, could I just say this to you? The temptations increase. They don't decrease. You never get to a place where like, I'm above that. Oh, it's even scarier. The older I get, the more I'm worried that I want to mess, that, that, that I'm going to mess up at the end. I don't want to mess up. I struggle with all kinds of stuff, especially over these 19 years. That's why your prayers for me, your prayers for JT, We are right at the bullseye of where the evil one wants to hit us. We are never more vulnerable than right now as a church, as a leadership team, because Satan knows how to work on us. And boy, I've struggled with all kinds of things over my years of life and ministry, especially as the church has grown. Struggle with my ego to remind myself it's not God. It's not me, it's God. And if it weren't for him, I'd be lost. The temptation to be a workaholic, sacrifice my health and my family, my marriage. The temptation to resist wise counsel. I think I know it all. I know what I'm doing. The temptation to go to food, to self-medicate when I get stressed or anxious, which has happened a lot. Even sexual temptation, friend, it's real for pastors, One of my Bible college professors was fond of advising pastors 
He gave him three words of wisdom. He said, when you're a pastor here, and by the way, this applies to leaders of all places, whether you're a pastor or not. He would say, preacher boys, don't touch the gold. So be careful with the money. Don't touch the girls. Don't touch the glory. All three of those things get pastors in trouble and probably not just pastors either. And during the last 18 months of COVID, I can just tell you this, the temptation for pastors, myself, has only gone up. It's stressful right now for so many reasons. And I'm hitting temptations now that I thought I had whipped a long time ago. I'll give you an example, could I? I was out of town last week. I played in this big golf tournament. There's something on my bucket list I, I always wanted to do. I played in this thing called the Myrtle Beach World Amateur Golf Tournament. 4,000 golfers from all over the U.S. and the world. I competed in the six, age 60 to 69 division. It was so much fun. <laughs> I always wanted to do it. I was tied for first after the first round. That was shocking to me. Then I dropped to third in the middle rounds, and then I wound up finishing in solo second. In the whole country, I came in second. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Here was the, uh, here was the final leaderboard. There I am, David Vaughn. I lost by two strokes to Richard Simmons. I always wondered what happened to that guy. <laughs> but I discovered something really crazy. Something unusual that has not hit me for a long time on the golf course. It, it, when I was playing that last round, I, I, was, I was trying to make up five shots. I, I said, this is a lot. I, I got to really play hard. And something came my way that I'm not used to on a golf course, haven't for some time. I had the temptation to cheat. I know. <laughs> I, I missed a short putt as I was coming in. I made a five on a par three hole. For those of you who don't golf, this is not good. You're not going to catch a leader when you make a double bogey. So I made a five, but the guy keeping the official scorecard put me down for a four. So I had a choice. <laughs> me and the devil, we were wrestling in the golf cart. <laughs> not say anything, help my chances of winning, or tell him what I really had on the hole. Now you'll be glad to know, after at least five holes, I made a choice. No, I, instantly I corrected him. I said, I didn't get a four. I got a five. Because I thought, this is the way God works with me. If I, if I say four and lie right there, God will audibly speak in a thunderous voice from heaven and say, that boy got a five. I am not well pleased with you. I could hear my dad coming up out of the grave. A cheating win is a shallow win. I got a five. So let me give you some words of wisdom today about temptation from a lifetime of following Jesus, sometimes getting it right, not always getting it right. And I think it'll help you today, whether you're new to the faith or a veteran, whether you're young or whether you're old. Could I just say this, you young people? <laughs> it never goes away. Here's when temptation will go away, when I die. And you probably, I don't trust myself till I'm cold and dead. If you're watching online or here in person, no matter where you go, this applies, whether you're on the golf, especially if you're on the golf course. And since we're following the pattern of Jesus Christ, 
I want to just flip over to Matthew 4, spend a few minutes unpacking this packet, this passage, and talk about how Jesus dealt with his biggest temptations, and they're not too far from yours. Let me note here before I jump into Matthew 4 that this is proof, Jesus' temptation, that temptation is not a sin. Some of you feel guilty because you're tempted. Oh, no. Falling for it, falling into sin is, but just because you're tempted doesn't mean you're sinful. Jesus was perfect in all things that he did. He was tempted in all ways. The Bible says, just like us, yet was without sin. In fact, I think the greater your temptation, the greater proof that you're actually growing as a Christian. The more you're tempted, the more you are a threat and therefore, that's a sign that you're a threat to the evil one. I meet people all the time, David, I don't really know if I need to talk about this temptation stuff. You know, the devil doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> you know why? Because you're on his team. <laughs> He's already got you where he wants you. You're not a threat any longer. So I want to unpack this powerful and practical passage. I've preached from this so many times over the years here, but some of these truths are just eternal uh, and their application and their power. So let me flip over to Matthew chapter 4, and we'll read the scripture and I'll comment on some things that I think stand out to me, whether you're on the golf course or whether you're not. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. All right, let me stop right here. So, so many things just right off the bat. Then, Jesus. What, 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 what happened right before this? He got baptized. Satan seems to attack you most after the spiritual high mountain of your life is when you're, you need to watch out. You're most vulnerable when you come off the mountain. Baptism doesn't drown your temptation. It drowns your sin, but it doesn't drown your temptation. So when you reach a spiritual high moment in your life, friend, be on your guard. That's when Satan will attack. Those of you who've gone in, 132 folks gone in this year, they are never more vulnerable than when they come up out of the water. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. What are you talking about, David? Didn't we just learn to pray the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, yet Jesus was led by the Spirit, not the devil. I love this. Satan isn't challenging Jesus. Je Jesus is challenging him. He's led by the Spirit. Now, it is true Jesus teaches us to pray this because it's good that we are not led into temptation because we're not Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is unique. He's one of a kind. In fact, he had to go through this so that the Scriptures could say he was tempted in all ways like we are, yet was without sin. So he uniquely was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the word there is that word I mentioned earlier, diabolos, or accuser. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, <laughs> have you ever fasted, gone without food for the purpose of prayer before? It's a great spiritual discipline. Could I just say I can't make it 40 minutes, <laughs> let alone 40 days? I'm weak, and I even got started. Uh, something powerful about fasting, though, we've done it from time to time in the history of our church in big moments and times when we had to focus on God. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, you think? Even though he's the son of God, he still is a human being. 
Remember, I've taught you before, when you're hungry, halt. When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely, when you're tired, be very careful. That's when temptation ramps up. And so he tempts him, the tempter comes to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Notice Satan is so, he's so brilliant in how he tempts. How he worked in Jesus and how he works in us, Satan will always tempt you to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Now, he has legitimately, it, it, hunger is a legitimate need, but he will tempt you to meet it in an illegitimate way. He, he will offer what you want in exchange for a spiritual compromise. What is the compromise? To use his power in an incorrect or unholy way. Notice he says, if you're the son of God. So it's like a throwdown. Devil's already talking smack. Isn't he good at talking smack? If you are the son of God. Like he is. It's no if. And Satan knew that. If you are a child of God. Oh, he knows who you are. Tell these stones. And the stones in their area in that part of the desert in Judea, they, they had a lot of limestone and they looked like little biscuits. See, I'm already going to bread and biscuits right there. See, Jesus was tempted by biscuits, just like me. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. A temptation to use his power in self-serving ways, even though he could. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, are in a position of power. You say this and employees or team or people or family do this. You're a powerful person. You will always be tempted to use your power in an unholy way, to benefit self and not others. If God has put you in a place of prominence and position, friend, God puts you there to serve others, not self. Don't be tempted to use your power for your good. That's manipulation rather than motivation. And notice Jesus has an answer. Three words. It is written. Listen to me, young and old, you have got to learn the word of God. We sing it here, we read it here, we say it here. You better be in the word every day. It is the only way you're going to defeat Satan with this sword, this armor that you put on. This is your weapon. It is written. Can you say that whenever, whatever temptation come your way? It is written. So... <laughs> Get out of Facebook and put your face in this book. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it is written. That sounds like John Tisovich, doesn't it? <laughs> He's coming back from vacation, so I bet you he'll, he'll pay attention. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. You, you need, need it, but it's not the only thing that will help you provide sustenance for your life. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God, it's a quote from Deuteronomy 8. So first pitch by the devil, use your power for yourself. Jesus knocks it out of the park. Strike one for the devil. Then the devil, oh, he's got another pitch. And if he didn't work one way, he's going to find another way. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem. Had him stand on the highest point of the temple, the roof of Herod's portico, which would have been very, very high. I've been over the Holy Land. Don and I, I've seen where that is. Notice the same thing. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. So he's going to tempt them now 
with not power, but a temptation of popularity. Uh, hey, Jesus, if you just jump down off this temple, it'll be a miraculous, sensational thing. If you are the Son of God, throw yourselves down. For it is written, isn't this interesting? Satan takes the very phrase Jesus used, it is written, and you see what he does? He says it is written. Could I just say this to you? Satan knows the Bible better than you do. He'll use it against you all the time. That's why you need to know the truth, because he masquerades sometimes as an angel of truth. He knows the word. The only thing with Satan is he'll twist it. He'll turn it for his purpose. He'll make you do things and justify them with a scripture that there is no justification for that. Satan says, oh, it's written. Since you use that phrase, I'll say it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. It's from Psalms. They will lift you up in their hands. You will not strike your foot against a stone. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Satan not only asked Jesus to use his power for his own good. Now he says, hey, if you just jump off the pinnacle of the temple, it'll be cool. The angels will swoop down before your body hits the ground and pick you up. Oh, it'll draw a crowd. How sensational that will be. You can start your ministry on a high note by everybody saying, ooh, ah. See, we don't want you to ever leave here on any weekend, and we've done a lot of cool things on this stage and other stages in our ministry. We don't ever want you to leave here thinking, wow. We want you to leave here saying, woe is me. I have, I've been a man of unclean lips. I've been with a God who is holy. Because if we try to entertain you with something sensational every weekend, eventually encore fatigue sets in, and you can't get to another pinnacle. Jesus knows that. That's not the way to start a ministry, to draw a crowd, because a crowd doesn't equal a church. Jesus answered, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, don't presume on God to bail you out every time you mess up. Don't assume or obligate him to do that. <laughs> Have you all ever done that? God, I know this is wrong, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to ask you to take care of me while I do it to protect me. A temptation of popularity, you young people, that's going to be a temptation for you. By the way, it never goes away. That's why social media is so big. We want to be popular. We want to be liked. Could I just tell you, people don't think about you as much as you think they do. <laughs> I don't think about you as much as you think I do. You say, that's all right, David. I don't think about you as much as you think I do. <laughs> if you chase popularity, you'll always be disappointed because the crowd is fickle, friend. And you can go from the penthouse to the outhouse, trust me, in one day. Again, the devil took him up. Strike two, by the way. Strike two for the devil. Again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Back then, he would have showed him Rome, the riches and the beauty of the sculptures of Greece, the pyramids of Egypt. Look at all this. He showed him all of the wonderful cities of their day, all of the opulence, the riches, the wealth. All this I will give you, he said, 
if you bow down and worship me. Now, this is very attractive. This is not a position of power or popularity. This is a a temptation of possessions. Anybody in here tempted by possessions? Don't lie. Yeah. We're tempted to clutch that which we can see instead of open up our hands and be generous and give to others that we can't see. And this is so insidious by the devil because he says, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you all this. You know what? That wasn't his to begin with. He's, he's the father of lies. That was God's. He made the world and everything in it. It wasn't even his to give, but Satan, <laughs> he tries to fool Jesus and say, you know what? All this stuff that you think is yours, it's not really yours. It's mine. I, I, and it does say that he is the prince of this world. All this I'll give you if you just bow down and worship me. By the way, those possessions are attractive. It, it, it is something when you need money to survive. But remember, Satan will always tempt you to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And those of us who are tempted by possessions, we never have enough. How much is enough? I don't know. I haven't got there yet. For some of you who have been blessed materially, your question is, what is enough? Not what do I need, but what is enough and I'm going to give away the rest. But man, those things sparkle and they shine (laughs) because sin fascinates before it assassinates. How many people you think have lost Jesus because they were tempted by power, popularity, or possessions? They walked away. And Jesus said to him, verse 10, he's pretty much done. (laughs) I am too. Uh, Away from me, Satan. Get out of my face. Get out of my life. For it is written. Notice it is written. It is written. It is written. Three times he says that. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You got to serve somebody. Dylan said it well. You got to serve somebody. Then, I mean, it's strike three. He's out. Then the devil left him. And angels came and attended him. The angels always come to give attention to those who beat the devil. They came and attended him. And I bet you they worshipped him to remind him of his power. I bet they fed him because he was hungry. Probably gave him angel food cake. Oh, I know that was cheesy. JT wouldn't have said that, but I will. Um, They probably reminded him of about how much of a person of integrity he is, that you are the one worthy of our worship. And they cast all of their crowns, as they always do before him. The angels came and attended him. Jesus personified what later in the epistle of James in the New Testament says to us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And that's exactly... Because in his essence, the devil is a coward. He will run when he knows he's whipped. He will run when he beats a, meets a real Christian like you, who says, I'm going to answer with the word of God. When the devil knocks on your door, I'm not home, let Jesus answer. He can't take that. The good and comforting truth about this part of the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil, is that you're not going to get this right all the time. But I bet you can get it right more than you have. Temptation is not a sin. Falling into it is. And the good news is that there is grace for our disgrace. <laughs> Nobody can sit up here. Pray for me. I'm planning on going back to Myrtle Beach next year. I got to come in number one. I, I got to finish first. Pray for me because the temptation to cheat is going to be even greater. But whatever's coming your way, there's this wonderful truth found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I've long kept it in my mind. In fact, this is one of the things I use when I'm tempted the most by the litany of things I shared with you earlier. Here's how Paul put it. No temptation, nothing's, no testing has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Every, there's other people suffering from this temptation. You're not unique. And God is faithful. Oh, he is. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You can't say, God, this is so great a temptation, I can't escape. The devil made me do it. Mm -mm. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, not if, when, here's the cool thing about God. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it or escape. The key is to look for the way out. Don't look for the temptation. The key is to fix your eyes on the exit. You may even have to run, you young people. Joseph in the Bible, read him when he was tempted by Potiphar. I call her Mrs. Potiphar. When Mrs. Potiphar came his way, he didn't even have time to say it is written. He just ran. That's the best thing. If you don't plan on going in the house, stay off the front porch. But he put his eyes on something bigger he put his eyes on the consequences of his action. He put his eyes on the one who would provide the way of escape. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I think the key is where you put your eyes. Now, uh, several years ago, I was watching a documentary on dogs. Y'all got a dog here? Yeah? Y'all got a cat here? We'll pray for you. Um, but uh, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Some of y'all got a dog and a cat. I was watching a documentary on a dog. And if you, sometimes dogs are really good, but sometimes they're not. You got to take them to obedience school, right? And I saw this documentary and they said, here's how you know a dog has been through obedience school. He's fully trained to be obedient. You can put an animal down, a hungry dog right down in front of you. And you stand over here and you could put down a steak a juicy, delicious steak that even humans might be tempted from, outback steak, you know? You can put that steak down there, and even though that dog's hungry, it, it will salivitate. If it is trained correctly, it, obedient school, that dog will stay there. He will not jump up and grab this, the steak. That's how you know the dog's obedient. He can smell it. He can almost taste it, but he'll stay right there. Now, some of our dogs, they're already eating it, but there's no way. The human might eat it. And I watched the documentary. And at the end of the documentary, here's what the woman who had the documentary said. The secret we have noticed, and they showed the, the video again of dogs who actually do this. They sat, right? Other dogs just jumped on the stake. Others stayed there. You know what they found out the secret was? 
the person made the documentary and said, look at the dog's eyes. Every dog that ate the steak looked at the steak. Every dog that passed the test, where were their eyes? The master. You know what the secret to saying no to the temptation that Satan's going to throw down in front of you? Keep your eyes on the master. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who in all ways was tempted just like you, but was without sin. So this week, when you're tempted by power, when you're tempted by popularity, when you're tempted by possessions, whatever your temptation is, when you're going to the golf course and they say five and you, you know, they say four and you know you got a five, man, keep your eyes on Jesus. Some of you young people, I can't imagine how hard it is to be a student right now in our world. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Some of you have been coming to this church for a long, long time. There's a lot going on as churches transition, this church and others. Could I just keep your eyes on Jesus? Some of you got some horrific problems in your world, in your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Yes, our country is messed up in so many ways. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't keep your vision on what's below but on what is above. And that's the way we'll beat the devil together till we all get to heaven. So I want to close uh, before Nick leads us in one other song. I want to close by going through the Lord's Prayer again. So if you would bow your head, close your eyes, and when we get to the part that we've talked about today, about temptation, I'm going to pause, and I want you to silently but specifically name your top temptation. I want you to fully put your eyes on Jesus. And when we get to the phrase and lead me not into, I'm just going to pause. I'm not going to say the word temptation and lead me not into. And I want you to fill in the blank. Lead me not into lust, anger, or greed, or pride, or lying. <laughs> so let's start and say it together at the beginning, and we'll use the word trespasses today. Let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Here we go. And lead us not into what? What is it that you are most tempted by right now? Lead us not into that temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine truly is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Maybe that's your prayer this week every day as in a homework assignment. Lead me not into blank. Because if you can name it, you can defeat it. And can I just say this? If you really want to start growing, turbocharge your spiritual growth, this week find someone you trust 
Don't tell somebody you don't trust. Find somebody you trust and tell them exactly the thing that is tempting you the most. Find the one person that you also know is tempted and has maybe a similar temptation. Tell them and say, let's hold each other accountable for that. And you will find that you will beat the devil every single time when you have extra accountability in your life. Well, a special weekend, 911. Every time I saw people going to work, um, they showed videos and movies, scenes and slides, pictures of 910. I saw, I saw people going into the offices as normal, not knowing the next day would bring death and tragedy. I saw footage of people going into their offices the early the morning of 9-11, getting on an airplane, thinking they're going one way, but they were going somewhere entirely different into eternity. You never know what a day will bring. I pray to God something like that never happens again, but you know what? Sooner or later, all of us are going to go somewhere in this next life. What's tragic is uh, they've told the stories of many who were up in those towers who didn't believe the firemen or others to say, come, we have to evacuate, didn't listen. The larger majority of people stayed there, maybe obedient to the command they had, but some did not heed the warning, and it cost them their life. Those of you in this room and those of you watching online, my job from Jesus is to warn you that this life is not all there is. There is a real heaven. There's a real hell. And real people are going there every day. And if it's not for Jesus Christ, none of us would make it in this life or the next. So that's why going all in is important to have your sins washed away. Again, it doesn't drown your temptation, but it'll remove your sin. Maybe after service, you need to come up and talk to one of our prayer team about that. Maybe just to pray for your own unique temptation. And I can't wait to see and hear the stories of life coming from death. Father, thank you for those in this room, those watching. We reflect and we remember now, but help us to learn and to change something about our life because of what we heard from your word today. And I thank you for the privilege of delivering that word here for almost 19 years. God, thank you for that. And I pray, God, as we move into the future together, that we will keep our eyes on you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.